Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. You're uh, quite articulate for the fact that it is like, what, day something of E3? I am quite articulate given that I should be screaming my head off right now because I am so hype for <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake, I cannot even begin to describe. I almost got on Amazon immediately or Square Enix store or whatever and pre-ordered that ridiculous $350 first class edition with the motorcycle. Yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta have that. Then I saw the price, I'm like, whoa, never mind. I do not have to have that. <laughs> I should probably pay my rent that month instead. Yeah, if you insist. Anyway, so we're gonna have full reactions to Final Fantasy VII Remake, Reveal, the Final Fantasy VIII Remaster, and all of the other things from tonight's Square Enix prod- press conference. We're doing a very late reaction podcast for Nadia. It's almost 11 o'clock there as we are recording. We'll also talk about all the things that we saw so far at E3, including the very disappointing Microsoft press conference, except for Keanu, and all of the other things that we saw. As always, you should follow us on social media. I'm at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. If you want to reach me, I suggest that you DM me on Twitter Reach out to me on email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or send me a message on usgamer, wherever, however you want to do it. And uh, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Wednesday, in which we talk about another RPG topic. I'm sure that we are going to be talking about E3 because when this podcast comes out, it will be E3 time. Okay. Nadia. Let's talk Final Fantasy VII Remake. During tonight's Square Enix press conference, we got to see the battle system in action. We got to see Tifa for the first time. We got to see Sephiroth. We got to see everything. And Nadia, what is your reaction? I am so hype. I mean, I was hype before, but I am like super hype about this. Uh, I just think it looks really cool, really fun. Uh, definitely my, uh, probably looking so far, like one of my most wanted games for 2020, because of course we are looking at, uh, March 2020 for an official release date. I will say I am a little disappointed thinking back. We did not get an answer as to, uh, where this game, this particular game that we're getting ends, because we still know it is episodic and we saw the, um, opening bombing mission and we saw the boss that tops off that bombing mission in addition to uh, a lot of what comes afterwards including the kind of the interlude at the uh, the seventh heaven bar so yeah i'm curious to see uh if we're going to leave midgar this time i, I don't think we are but they did mention like two dvds sorry two blu-rays of of game content here and it's like if that's just for one episode that is a hell of a lot yeah, I'm looking forward to it taking up all of my hard drive space on whatever console <laughs> I end up playing it on. Well, PlayStation 4, right? It's the only one that's coming out. I keep thinking it's coming out on Xbox One for some reason. but Ah, uh, poor Xbox. Poor Xbox. It's never coming out on that console either. It's going to remain a PlayStation 4 exclusive. But yeah, I think that the episodic question is an interesting one. They're claiming that each episode is basically going to be the equivalent of a full-blown game. And I say, bring it on. I expect that maybe we'll get a little bit more of an answer as to what the where it ends uh, from an epistotic standpoint, perhaps tomorrow when we get to see 
more of Final Fantasy VII Remake. They're going to have yeah. a playable version on the show floor. We'll be able to actually ask Square Enix. Barring that, so there's going to be more info. It is coming out in early 2020. It feels a little surreal to finally have a release date after close to five years of development. Yeah, and it looks pretty polished. It looks quite good. Um, I noticed there was a scene where they they kind of emulate the intro where they pull out and they ha- you see like the the whole like the whole entirety of Midgar like that scene and I just love that scene and the fact that they recreated it makes me so happy. So I think that they started this demo perfectly. So I think the only correct answer was to open with that amazing opening sequence on the train and uh, Eris looking out over Midgar and the camera sweeping back and all of that. That was the sequence, the remastered version of that sequence for the PlayStation 3 all these years ago was the thing that kicked off the demand, the hype for Final Fantasy VII Remake in the first place. Yeah, and I'm surprised when they made that, they didn't realize that people would really, really want that to happen. And here we are, how many millions of years it has been since. Well, supposedly there was a story that back in 2006 or whatever, when Final Fantasy XII was initially launching in Japan, uh, one of the first people to buy the game walked up to the developers, bowed, thanked them, and then said, please remake Final Fantasy VII. (laughs) (laughs) I sat in line and I bought this game just so I could meet you and tell you this. And as for me, I remember playing Final Fantasy VII in 2002, not long after playing Final Fantasy X for the first time and having a really hard time going back and thinking to myself, man, this game's already kind of outdated. I sure would love a updated, beautiful remake with PlayStation 2 level graphics. Wow, the PlayStation 2 doesn't get any better than that. Nope, it doesn't get any more powerful than that. But after the initial sequence in which we got a nice little hypercut of different sequences and everything that were totally building up hype and we were getting remastered versions of the original music, which was perfect. Mm, that was awesome. We got to see the actual combat, and wow, uh, I really like it, Nadia. Yeah, uh, when I saw that it's basically a compromise between uh, a kind of a more action-based uh, system, plus it has the more menu-based system kind of uh, woven into it, uh, I think that's very interesting. And I thought to myself, I was wondering off like right away, oh, I wonder what Kat thinks of this. Yeah, so as loyal listeners of Acts of the Blood God will remember, I was very much on the goddamn it, keep a turn-based train. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a train. Yeah, but I had kind of grown to accept that Final Fantasy VII was just moving on and Square Enix was a different company. And I had heard that it was going to be a lot more hacky-slashy, to be honest. I th- I had heard that it was going to be maybe a little more Kingdom Heartsy, and that was really dismaying me. So to see it in action and see that they're keeping some kind of blend of ATB with this interesting slowdown system and a little bit of a tactical component makes me feel a lot better. Like, keep the tactics, Nadia. Yeah, and that's pretty much what they're doing. Um, a lot of what is familiar about Final Fantasy VII is still there. Uh, for example, they mentioned that one of the tactics you could use uh, it was Braver or Cross Slash, which of course are usually limit breaks, but I guess now they're filling in as more like, you know, skills slash special commands. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I'm curious to see the flow 
of the game. Alas, I'm not going to be able to play it because I left E3 like a fool. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. Who's yeah. So someone's going to have to stand in our place for that. Yeah, Katie's going to be playing it for us. I'm so jealous. I'm very jealous, too. I almost want to get back on a plane and fly right back to E3 just so I can play it myself. I wonder if I should just uh, drive to Sony or something and be like, I want to play it. You let should me play it. Bang on the windows until they let you in or they call the cops one or the other. In all seriousness, though, like, no, nostalgia is a potent thing because when I was watching that whole release trailer and everything, I was just giggling like a freaking maniac. I was kind of like singing along to the music as best you can sing along to wordless music. <laughs> so what do you think of the voices, Nadia? Uh, Barrett is so familiar, and I, I meant to ask my husband who he is because uh, he knew, but he, he just left without telling me. But um, I think they're fine. Uh, I like Cloud. Uh, I'm really torn on Barrett. He kind of lays it on thick, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, just a little there? bit. Tifa sounds fine. I think uh, I think they're okay. Uh, I, I've done. A, I'm a child of the '90s, and I just grew up with like Doctor Wiwi and the rest of it. So anytime I hear any like passable voice acting, I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm good. A controversial take. I like them better than the Avengers voice acting. Ouch. <laughs> and those are like professionals. Nothing against Troy Baker and Nolan North, who are excellent professionals and all of that. But I just didn't think. I am so used to the Avengers characters that it feels almost sacrilegious to hear to see Iron Man and hear somebody else's voice coming out of his mouth. That's true, especially since it's not like, oh, you know, if they were cartoons or whatever, if then they have different voices, it's not a big deal. But you're right, when they're like lifelike models, like they are, and they do quite resemble the actors, but just enough to, to like not get sued, it does seem like a little bit uh, more like, hey, you should be, I should be hearing like uh, Robert Downey Jr. not right now, not you. And the interplay was all off on Avengers. Yeah, it really was. Um, and I was just kind of looking at that whole trailer being like, okay, um, I don't quite know what I'm looking at because it didn't show us like, okay, Final Fantasy VII Remake, we got a really good look at the game. We got a good look at the gameplay. We got like, oh, here's a new trailer. Here's everything you need to know as, as much as we can tell you. Avengers just felt like they were kind of doling out like little bits and pieces and stopping to talk about the game like with the developers and the voice actors. And it's like, uh, it's not really what I, what I want to hear right now. Yeah, I think the thing with Final Fantasy VII Remake is that there's a lot to kind of sink your teeth into, and it had a lot of really solid hype moments, and I think it was helped by the fact that it is Final Fantasy VII, and people, they know what the people want, right? Like, they knew that people want to see Tifa, people want to see the combat, people want to hear the music, people want to see the familiar moments, whereas with Avengers, they had a scattershot approach. And the stuff that they did show didn't, it felt pretty thin. I mean, there was like this little moment where somebody brings out a a gun and shrinks the little spider mech. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, that was very brief, question mark. Exactly. I was like, oh, okay. That's when I thought, oh, we're going to get in a a closeout trailer because I knew it was the end of the conference. And we just got that scene of, I think it was, his name's Hank Pym. I can't remember which Ant-Man that is. But uh, yeah, he just uh, shrunk down a little spider mech and it's like, oh, done. Get out. Maybe they should have shown more Avengers rather than dwelling on games that were already out. Yeah, that was a weird thing they did, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's like, okay, I, I am a, I am hyped for Dragon Quest Builders as much as anyone, but dudes, the game's coming out in, in, in a, like a month. You don't have to show me 10 minutes of footage. Yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, 
Yeah, I get it. They want to put Dragon Quest Builders 2 in front of people, right? They Of course. You only get so many opportunities to give that game a push and be able to get people to pay attention to it, but they dwelled on it for so long. Yeah, they did, and it was just like a just this long explanatory trailer and even Dragon Quest uh, 11 um DS whatever they're calling it. That's a game that I'm actually very curious about because it adds a whole bunch of stuff. We didn't really get too much new information about that. Yeah, it felt after the Final Fantasy VII remake reveal, Square's press conference definitely dragged, which was a problem with all of the press conferences except for maybe Ubisoft for the most part. Yeah, um, I can't remember if it was you who mentioned this or maybe it was someone on Twitter. I think it was someone I follow on Twitter. They were saying how this is what basically leaks have done, just how... You know, no one can really hold on to a surprise anymore, so they just shove everything that's really exciting to the front, uh, I guess, to get that, you know, first energetic pop. Yeah, and it didn't help that we knew everything that was coming in both, well, I mean, in Microsoft, Bethesda, Ubisoft, Xbox, uh, Square Enix, there were basically no surprises whatsoever. No, uh, and I feel bad because we should be having more surprises, and it's not it's not their fault that we're not. It's just people are out there leaking everything back and forth and up and down. Okay, let's get back to Final Fantasy VII <laughs> remake hype, of which I am feeling it deeply within my person. Uh, other things that we're going to talk about, I mean, the character designs, Tifa looks fine. Yeah, no problems with Tifa. I know that people are going to nitpick it and say, oh, no, her face looks too square or something, but I think she looks fine. And you can already start to see the differences, Nana. You pointed out, for example, that the spider bot sets off the bomb in the reactor. Yes. Um, I think that was a very interesting point because one thing I have been curious about, and I think Jeremy Parrish has been curious about, he's written about it for U.S. Gamer in the past when he was the editor-in-chief. He was wondering, and I was wondering, how are they going to tone down the terrorist angle in this game? Because yes, Avalanche, as they are in Final Fantasy VII Vanilla, are eco-terrorists. Uh, they say quite bluntly, or it is suggested quite bluntly by some of the NPCs, that um, the first bombing mission, it, it kills some innocent people. And um, just given our current political and situation and, and just everything going on that has gone on since Final Fantasy VII came out... Uh, I feel like if you want to make Avalanche sympathetic, you have to be, you have to be pretty careful about what you do. So uh, I noticed that um, they did set the bomb, and I kind of got the impression that Cloud was supposed to uh, set it off. And before he did, the, that, that's when everything got a, you know went topsy turvy with the the scorpion monster. So when the scorpion monster died, the last thing it did was kind of fired off a laser, and it uh, cut through the bomb, which triggered the countdown. So it wasn't a matter of Cloud just hitting the countdown this time. Yeah, and there were other things that I saw that were different. For example, when they're on the, you can see, there's a moment when they're on the train and you see these little spider bots or robots coming through the window and mm-hmm. they're fighting them. I'm pretty sure that's the moment where they're heading off to their second mission and they inadvertently trigger the alarm and you're having to run through the different cars. Yes. Yeah, I think they expanded on that quite a bit. Yeah, I have a feeling that um, if this is an episodic thing and if we are looking at the first disc or discs, as it were, being uh, the Midgar scene, then I think we are definitely looking at uh, a much more expanded Midgar, which I'm cool with. I'm very very down with the idea of exploring 
uh, Midgar. A friend of mine just recently said um, how, you know, Final Fantasy VII Vanilla, all its locales are kind of, they're really cool, but they're kind of set up like dioramas, whereas uh, in Final Fantasy VII Remake, you can't just have, you know, you can't just let Sector Seven be, you know, three houses. It has to be an actual sort of suburb that you can you can travel through and, and talk to people and explore things. So I, I can see, like, a lot of expanded content being in the cards. Which is probably helps to explain why it took so long to make. Yeah, just a bit. Um, although I get the feeling, too, once they kind of dumped the old team and brought it internally, uh, things really picked up a lot. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Who who I would love to know what the story of what the heck happened with that game was because I mean, they kind of restarted development and I thought, "Oh man, it's going to be forever before we see this game at the pace that, that this tends to go at." Mm-hmm. And instead, no, Square's like, "No, screw this. We're getting it out the door." <laughs> Nobody's allowed to sleep anymore. I really hope they weren't crunched too badly. I think Eric brought that up in uh... our Slack channel. Yeah, they probably did have to slack pretty, or just, they probably had to crunch pretty hard, didn't they? Yeah, especially to get something playable for E3. Never mind, have something out the door in time for next year. Yeah, those vertical slices are murder for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I what, the, what else do we want to talk about with the Final Fantasy VII remake trailer? We got to see Nibelheim uh, with Sephiroth and Cloud and the the famous scene with the fire and everything. Of course, you gotta have the fire. Uh, I know it's Cloud swears a bit more this time around. I don't remember him swearing in Final Fantasy VII, but he swore like twice in this one. Did you notice that there's tons of banter when you're fighting the spider robot? Cloud and Barrett won't shut up. <laughs> yeah, although I did notice they're kind of like, you know, just like snarking at each other, which is which is pretty par for the course by that point in the game, because they don't like each other in the least. And Barrett's voice. Yeah, that's a voice, isn't it? And he wears his sunglasses at night and all that. Yeah, I... I really hope that they have Japanese voices in this one, which I'm sure they will. I, even though they'll have Japanese voices, I am probably going to default to English. I just love my English voice acting too much. I think that I think I'm going to listen to it in Japanese because that's how I played Final Fantasy 15. Oh, really? I took the uh, I went to the English voices. Yeah, no disrespect to the uh, hardworking English voice actors who. Uh, did the work on that game it's just a personal preference for me i'd much rather it just feels more right to me to hear it in the original language <laughs> but you don't hear it, ignis who says i come up with a new recipe uh, oh is that what he sounds like i have no idea <laughs> he has a very sort of regal almost british voice yes he's ignis is great uh whenever i think of the japanese voices i mostly just think of prompto who has yeah. that typical kind of high-pitched uh, teenage uh, Japanese boy voice. Teenage, uh, basically, blonde kid sidekick. I think the bit that stands out to me the most, I think the bit that landed the hardest was the battle with the spider robot. It looks like a really elaborate battle. Yeah, um, they actually mentioned right up front uh, when they started introducing the battle system, saying you can sit there and hack and slash if you want, but you won't really get anywhere. Uh, you really have to rely on your skills. You have to rely on that weird bullet time thing. You have to um, switch between characters, which you can do with the press of a button. Like, for example, uh, Cloud isn't much good against the spider robot for reasons I can't remember. But Barrett is like, oh, this is my time to shine. And he is the one who is really proficient at attacking this this, ro- this uh, scorpion robot. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that it seemed to work was that there were weak spots on the robot... 
uh, Cloud and Barrett have different strengths and weaknesses. You can switch between them at will. Yes, you can switch between them. Uh, that's the impression I got. You can switch between them at the push of a button. I don't even know if you have to. If they have to be charged up. And it seems like the way you want to do it is you're trying to target uh, weak spots, for example, on it. You're trying to charge up your ATB, and mm. you can access more abilities as you charge up the ATB, and then that puts you into slow motion. Am I correct? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong? That is the way I think it works, although I can't remember off the top of my head how you trigger the slow motion. It might be something you have to do yourself. I don't know if it's something that just happens once the ATB is filled up. And how do the limit breaks work? I don't know if there are any limit breaks. No, they no, they had the cross slash. Yeah, but when I saw the cross slash and they mentioned the braver, they mentioned how it's like part of your, you know, the skill set that you use um, in the in the skill menu that they have going on. Uh, it could be, of course, it could be like a higher level skill in your ATB, but I don't think it works like it used to, where you you get your ass kicked and that fills up your meter. Yeah, that was the impression I got. In any case, I think the thing that's important about it that what it gets right is that they explicitly say it's not a hack and slash and indeed it does not just look like a kingdom hearts clone which is what my biggest fear was where barrett and tifa are kind of just bouncing around bouncing off uh bosses like donald and goofy uh you're switching between yeah you're switching over to them you're using them you're using your whole party that's what i wanted Yes, uh, it definitely looks like your whole party is vital this time around. And I'm curious to see how my preferred party will work out in this game because my preferred party is Cloud, uh, Sid, and Red 13. Sometimes oh. I default to, sometimes I go to to, uh, to Vincent if I'm feeling melancholy. I think I'm going to use Cloud, Yuffie, and maybe Sid. I'm not sure. Maybe Red 13. Cloud, Yuffie, and Red 13 is probably the correct answer for me. I actually, when I, when I was doing my playthrough this time around on the Switch, I did not recruit Yuffie until, like, well into Disc 2. Secret moment that I really liked, when Barrett sees, what, was it Marlene? Marlene, yes, that's her name. Yeah, that was a very cute moment. That was cute. And I like, um, I think it was Eric who said on the Slack, or either him or Jake, where uh, Klaus is sitting there drinking scotch, and it's like, you're too young to drink that, young man. <laughs> he looked very uh, boyish in that moment. Yeah, and I know it's the post-apocalypse and all that, and I don't think anyone in Midgard cares, but he shouldn't be drinking scotch. I think he's 17. Uh, I want somebody to take the Kermit meme, the but that's none of my business meme, and do that with Cloud instead. <laughs> that is quite doable. I can probably whip that out for you even. That is pretty great, though. So I was talking to a friend of mine right after the reveal of the Final Fantasy VII remake, and we were both like exclaiming how excited we were and everything. And one thing that he was kind of wondering about, he said that obviously one of the big components of Final Fantasy VII is that Cloud is a poser. He's not really a badass. He just looks like a badass. Yeah. yeah. And he said that in the original game, he kind of got that impression, like there was something off about the way that Cloud acted. And he was concerned that new Cloud in Remake did not have that air, that he was just a badass. What do you think, Nadia? Is there? Do you, did you detect that there might be something a little bit off about this character? 
Um, I was wondering about that myself, although I do think that scene at in the trailer where he sees Sephiroth and he kind of falls apart in a way, that's, uh, that's an indicator that he's, you know, maybe doesn't have it all together as, as, we, as he wants to give off that impression that he does. Because, yeah, in the first game, sorry, the vanilla game, he does try to act all badass, but, it, you know, it all falls apart, not right away, but probably after... Gosh, after like basically this, the the second uh, mission goes wrong and he ends up falling onto Eris's church, so he does have that you know look how tough I am air going on initially, uh, and I think he get I get that impression with the uh, the remake trailer at least part of it. But since this is a very early slice of the game, it, it could just be something that'll wear off in time because I mean let's not forget and they went up on stage and said this before, right before the uh, the reveal. They said uh, Cloud's catchphrase, which is let's mosey, which is not at all cool. Yeah, that was a nice little touch, and I like the self-awareness. That leads me to one more question, actually. Do you think that Final Fantasy VII Remake, based on what you saw in that trailer, is going to maintain kind of the weirdo spirit of the original? That I am less sure about, because uh, this is something we've kind of discussed at length in previous episodes, uh, uh, like, you know, for example, are, are we going to get, you know, the cross-dressing scene? Are we going to get the honeybee in? Are we going to get that, like, sort of goofy sense of humor? Like, I can see Barrett still wearing that sailor suit, actually. I can still see that going on. But um, I am not sure how seriously Square Enix is going to take itself with this game. And uh, given how much is rotting on it and how much effort they put into it, they're probably going to take themselves quite seriously. I think that uh, basically Square games in general, particularly the mainstream mainline Final Fantasy games started to get a little bit more serious after you kind of lost the ability to name your characters. Uh, like I said in my own write-up of Final Fantasy VII some time ago, uh, I think a lot changed once you couldn't name Cloud like asshole anymore or name Barrett Mr. T. <laughs> well, I will say this, Nadia. This is probably my nominee for Game of the Show so far. I don't think I've been as hyped for basically anything else yet yeah um it is definitely up there for me maybe nintendo uh, at the at the time of this recording we still have to go through nintendo maybe nintendo will show us something that will blow us away but i mean we already know about you know most of the games are going to show tomorrow like of course uh fire emblem and and pokemon uh but who knows it's hard for me to imagine Pokemon or Fire Emblem or Luigi's Mansion. No disrespect to any of those fine games <laughs> rising to the level of what I just saw. That's fair. Although, who knows with Luigi's Mansion, it can always surprise you. I love Luigi's Mansion. I came away from that trailer giddy with joy. I felt like they had crushed it. Mm-hmm. I thought that they hit all of the right notes with their presentation it looked awesome, and I was legitimately upset when they shifted away. I was like, no more! No, bring it back, bring it back. We want to see more Sephiroth and his beautiful, beautiful hair. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a long year, Nadia. It, it is, definitely. Um, thankfully, we don't have to wait. Oh, God, what am I saying? I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm living in the fall, but no, it's the summer. We're looking at, We're looking at nearly a year until this comes out. Less than a year, though. Less than a year, but still too long. Too long. I gotta say, though, the one-two punch of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake in March and Cyberpunk in April, it's gonna be a good couple months for RPGs. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's coming out right alongside Cyberpunk, basically. Yeah, no, my God, it's going to be so busy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, your 2020 is already booking up. If you want uh, if you want cast attention in 2020, you better start asking now. 2020 is going to be ridiculous, Nadia. Like, this year has been kind of weird. Next year is not going to be weird. Next year is going to be insane. Yeah, next year is going to be pretty great. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, let's touch really quickly on some of the other things that we saw at the Square Enix press conference, including Final Fantasy VIII is being remastered for Switch, PC, Xbox One, and PS4. This is a game that we were kind of asking for. We had Final Fantasy VII and IX and X and XII, and this completes the set of the latter-day game, Final Fan- latter-day Final Fantasies that are still good. Yeah, um, I was surprised. I thought for sure we would not see it. I thought, okay, well, we're already up to 12. We're just not going to see 8. But uh, no, some they went back and they uh, they surprised me. I'm and sure, I have to eat my words. I'm sure that what happened was when 7 and 9 came out, they heard the outcry <laughs> about 8 <laughs> and were like, okay, well, there's clearly demand for this. So we're just going to go to .emu and be like, all right, just make this happen. Wow, people like this game. Okay, all right. Well, who are we to say no to money? Well, as I said, Nadia, in my write-up on Final Fantasy VIII's, the anniversary of Final Fantasy VIII's release in Japan, Final Fantasy VIII was always good. Yeah, and now I have to eat my words because I said I would play it, and uh, I will play it. I will have to Take play that. It. <laughs> <laughs> they did it to spite me, I guess. Hey, if I'm going to replay Final Fantasy VII, the least you can do is play Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, yeah, I will. I'm definitely uh, going to play it. I was actually picking through a uh, Let's Play the other day, just kind of looking up some of the, the story points. And Dragon Quest Eleven Switch. I am, I'm back on the bandwagon, Nadia. I think I'm going to get it. Yeah, I would hope so. I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing it. Um, it looks like there is uh, more content. I noticed some new footage in the trailer they were showing, which uh, I think that's probably part of the... Uh, I think some of the characters are getting their own stories, so I think that's part of that. And that 16-bit option looks a lot of fun. I love the 16-bit option. I think one of the things, forgive me, I'm sure that Romancing Saga is a fine game mechanically. I think that's one of the big things about it, actually. Uh, Talked a lot about choices and all of that. But I found the presentation a little bit off-putting, whereas Dragon Quest XI Switch looks fine. Yeah, it's a good-looking game. Uh, I am looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to the orchestrated music. Yes. Yo, God. thank God, right? As I <laughs> yeah. was saying on Twitter, uh, yeah, this is the real one. This is the real version. Sorry, all you suckers who bought it on PS4 because you couldn't wait. <laughs> well, most of us like are, are like me, who are kind of rabid, and they'll just buy it again. Yes. All right, Nadia, is there anything else from the Square Enix press conference that we should cover? Uh, I guess I'd just like to give a shout-out to the Final Fantasy uh the news uh, trailer about the streaming on Spotify for the Final Fantasy music and stuff. I think that was that was pretty funny. <laughs> what about it was funny, Nadia? Uh, it's just like uh, a woman goes into a coffee shop and she's uh, got her, you know her iPhone or whatever, and um, as she's kind of scrolling through the Final Fantasy music, all these like orchestra members just file in and sit down and wait for her to make her selection, and she just kind of keeps scrolling and they keep like starting and stopping, and finally she leaves. And the guy on the trumpet plays like kind of a sad note. Um, and someone else on Twitter was saying how it's just crazy when you and I first really got into to RPGs. Uh, if you wanted a soundtrack for an RPG, you had to like pray to God that it would rain down from the sky because there was no better way to get it. You could not like 
get it from Japan even unless you were ready to pay crazy importing fees. And now it's like, hey, it's on Spotify. Just put it on your phone. You're good. I don't know about you. I found all my music from Napster. <laughs> Go to a legal Napster where you had to like kind of fiddle with the file names a little bit to make it work. Napster or Kazaa. Napster, Kazaa, and LimeWire, the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, downloading, uh, waiting an hour to download a three megabyte Final Fantasy song and praying that you didn't click on it and get herpes, uh, computer herpes. <laughs> Gee, why is this Final Fantasy VII uh, battle song in EXE? That's weird. This, I, no, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll fine. It's clicking on it. Oh, it's taking over my computer. Oh, it's taking over the entire network. Oh, God damn it. And when it did work, it would always sound like garbage. <laughs> All right. So, Nadia, let's talk quickly about Microsoft's press conference, which I feel had the other big piece of RPG news, which is... Keanu Reeves is in Cyberpunk 2077, which I think his reveal and him just walking on stage. Yeah, that was great. That was definitely one of the highlights of of E3. And it's basically the kind of news where even my friends on Facebook who do not play games are like sharing like, what the hell is this? Why is Keanu Reeves here? (laughs) What's wrong with his arm? I'm really impressed that they managed to keep it under wraps this long. I think that's one of the only genuine surprises of, uh, of E3. Yeah, so far. So kudos to them because we were just talking about how spoilers have nearly ruined E3. But uh, no, that was a that was that was a big one, and that was like such a you know there you go. It wasn't spoiled, and it was such a happy moment for everyone because they were like, oh my god, Keanu Reeves, this is so much fun. Yeah, even Schreier was hedging mightily about its release date. He did not know. He was saying could be. I think they're trying to push for 2019. Maybe question mark. Like he. Nope. Uh, but nope, it's coming out in 2020, but we got a release date, and as I was kind of predicting, it is coming out early next year. I'm glad it's next year and not like 2021. Uh, that's really exciting. Oh, God. Yeah, that is uh, a little sooner than I was expecting, to be honest. I thought for sure 2021, but uh, nope. We've barely yeah. seen any of it so far. I really want to see a whole heck of a lot more. I mean, what we saw during e3 was just i mean it was borderline just a teaser i mean we didn't even really see gameplay yeah um although i will say they sold me with keanu reeves Uh, i've been very very meh on this and but just knowing that you can kind of play with or as keanu reeves is like okay sure as a cyborg i don't think he was even wearing a shirt i'm on board katie says that she's gonna her cyberpunk interview is on wednesday and she her first question she's going to ask is can you romance keanu reeves in the game oh my god that's the only i mean like cd project red if that's if that's an option they shouldn't even bother programming anyone else (laughs) because that's all anyone's gonna romance can you imagine if they actually motion captured that (laughs) now i definitely i wouldn't just buy this game i'd be day one i'd be (laughs) pre-ordering i mean uh, there's not much more to say about Cyberpunk 2077, which I think the same can be said for most of Microsoft's press conference because they barely showed anything. Yeah, it was a lot like the Square Enix presentation in that there was a lot that we already knew was coming and they just kind of reiterated on what's to come. Uh, we were talking about, oh, maybe there'll be a Fable. We didn't see Fable. We didn't even really see the next Xbox except for a code name. Yeah. Scarlet. 
I think the George R. R. Martin thing would have landed a lot harder if we didn't know about it months in, a, in yeah, advance. That was definitely a disappointing leak right there. Although he did kind of, George R. R. Martin did kind of give it away himself too when he said he was working on a Japanese uh, game or writing for one. There have been rumors floating around that this was happening for months. Months, yeah. Nadia, like probably since January. And we didn't have a lot of info to be able to corroborate it, but... I mean, everybody was just waiting, right? <laughs> and then the yeah, second that Martin came out and said, oh, yeah, I was consulting on a game in Japan, just immediately, like three <laughs> different outlets just come right out and be like, bang, this bang, is what bang. we heard. Yep. <laughs> Here's all the info. <laughs> Except uh, I think it was Gamatsu got the name wrong. Oh, did they? Yeah, I, I forget what the name they threw out was, but it was not Elden Ring or whatever. What, what, it was something ring. I'm... L, it was E something ring. I have to go back and check out whatever the heck they initially reported. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was the name that they reported. But I remember when the leak hit last week that it was going to be Elden Ring. That's what it's called, right? Elden? <laughs> Elden is something, it's some, something very Lord of the Ring-ish, to be honest with you. I mean, it looks super Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? Just a bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we it has that kind of little bit of a Dark Souls look. It's going to be open world. You see you see an elf uh, hammering on the Elden Ring, the eponymous ring, I suppose. And then yeah. apparently the ring gets lost, and this ring has the power. Why are they <laughs> just doing Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I am a little bit, uh, I guess, like maybe... Uh, you know, I'm just kind of obviously pulling stuff out of my ass here because I'm not George R.R. R. Martin, God knows, and I'm not from software, but I'm just thinking it's like uh, maybe he wanted to get back to work on Winds of Winter and it's like, eh, here we go, just gonna, here's a template for you. I've already said that I really hope that George R.R. R. Martin is on the media tour for this game and that we sit down ne- across from him and I'm sure a million people will ask him about winter- Winds of Winter and the first thing I will ask him will be, so what do you think about the New York Jets offseason moves, George? <laughs> that's right he used to write about that on uh live journal a lot didn't he he still does yeah he has he a does. nfl blog much to the consternation of all of his fans i love it it's delicious that's fantastic that's like a not a lot of overlap going on in those fandoms is there no nadia there isn't <laughs> he was made for you cat you're a match made in heaven it always kills me whenever i'm talking to pr and they're like you you love rpgs and sports games. It just doesn't make sense. I don't see it. And I'm like, it's true. There is an overlap around the cultures. But I think that if you think about it for five minutes, you can understand why I like both of those things. Oh, I can understand it for sure. <laughs> They're very strategic and strats, stats heavy. I mean, do the, do the math there. Just connect the dots. Especially but football. Holy shit. This is a conversation we've had about a million times before. But uh, getting back to Microsoft, I am of the opinion that they blew it with this press conference. I wouldn't go as far as as say that. I feel like um, they really could have probably walked away with a lot more, but uh, I don't think they, like, fumbled or anything like that. They just uh, didn't generate as much hype as they could have. It was a missed opportunity. They had a chance to generate momentum and own the news cycle, and they did not. I would say that Sony paid a fraction of what Microsoft did, owned a week's worth of coverage, and all they had to do was do an exclusive interview with Wired. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. They um, they just dropped it at random. Everybody obsessed over that article for a couple days. Uh, it was all anybody talked about. 
PS5 hype was put right into their mind, we moved on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, first of all, Microsoft is competing with a ton of different stuff, right? Yes, they are. The fact that we're going to walk out and Project Scarlet is not the first thing that's truly on our mind is probably a little bit of a problem because yeah. they just didn't give us enough to hang our hat on. I mean, the stuff that they were throwing out was like, okay, 8K, 120 FPS, it's good, you know, SSD, so, solid and everything. And yet it felt ephemeral, probably because they never even showed what the dang thing looks like, right? I mean, they only gave us the broadest of details. Yeah, they really did. And I think they should have at least given us a name, the Xbox something, because the Scarlet's not going to stick in anyone's mind, except for mine, because I keep thinking of Gone with the Wind. I think that what they should have done is given us an actual gameplay demo that showed how good it looked. Yeah, that would have been the smartest thing to do. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, they did give us Halo Infinite, which could be good. Um, I wrote but they an article didn't show gameplay. Did... No, they, you're right. They didn't show gameplay. They just showed us a trailer. Uh, if they did show with gameplay, that probably would have been a big help right there. I heard that uh, Halo Infinite was going to be playable. Like, that was a rumor. And uh-huh. maybe it was an outlandish rumor in hindsight, but the report was that Microsoft was going big with this, and I thought they had to go big because Microsoft is behind Sony. They're really behind oh, yeah. Sony. They're really behind Sony. Uh, that You're right. That would have been the smartest thing to do, especially since, you know, of course, Sony is... MIA this time around and they they god knows they blew the conference for Xbox One so this was really their chance to to pick up the ball and and run with it but of course I feel like Microsoft now is very different from Microsoft back then Microsoft now is much more eager to play with everyone and and be nice to everyone and say hey uh want to be on our platform you can be on our platform I am actually a little disappointed we didn't hear uh about the you know any sort of cross-play between Switch and um, Xbox uh, Scarlet or Xbox of any kind. I, mean, I am disappointed in that. I'm expecting uh, that yeah. they're going to be holding that for the Switch Direct, if there's anything. That's a good point, yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of different rumors about Switch integration, which is like, I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be the, the year of Nintendo and Microsoft. It's going to be great. But Nintendo didn't even get a mention. Like There were all these mm-hmm. rumors of Miyamoto walking onto the stage. That didn't happen. Yeah, I heard that, I don't know how true this is, but I heard that Jeu Video, who broke that rumor, thought that Keanu Reeves was Miyamoto. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of like Miyamoto, I don't know, equally and beloved. He squint real hard. I guess. He squint real hard and look from a distance far, far away. Maybe Microsoft was in a no-win scenario, because it is 18 months until the... I mean, to the, the the console reveal, and maybe there's not too much that you can actually show at this point, but I do think that there were more things that they could have done. I outlined them in starting screen. I think that a Fable tease would have helped a lot. Yeah, and I think that a new Forza game would have helped. I think that Gears 5 not looking terrible would have helped. I think that... <laughs> What the hell was going on with that Gears 5 trailer? Just uh... The two trailers with the super clashing moods? It was very weird. It was, exactly. I was. It reminds me of, God, if you want to talk about, like, bringing back the glory days of Gears, remembering how the, you know, that iconic commercial for the first game just had that Mad World commercial, uh, and the game itself was, like, just not, like, you know, kind of dark and mysterious like that at all. And it kind of got that same impression this time around. So everything old is new again, I guess. 
So they went for this, they were using a Billie Eilish song, and it showed all the different faces, and it was a totally different vibe. And then they show there's this new multiplayer mode, and they're playing kind of a frat party music. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, guys, um, thank you. And then they didn't even show gameplay. Like, they didn't show anything of real interest. It was just a hype reel. Yep. Basically, that seemed to be the order of the day for the the press conference in general. And they finished with a Terminator character pack, which who cares? (laughs) And then they were like, oh, WWE stars are playing. Uh, Anyway, they're over here. Yeah, that was um, Xavier Wood. I think they had Tyler Breeze, too, who was like kind of funny. But yeah, they, they're always playing new stuff. So it's not really that interesting, even to me. There was some thing where like a YouTuber, like Angry Joe show or something, was oh, totally God. ragging on WWE stars playing in the pit. And Xavier Woods <laughs> actually responded and was like, hi, I don't know who you are, but you seem to have a very successful YouTube channel. We're just doing our thing over here. It was passive aggressive as fuck. Yeah, that that sounds. I didn't even hear about that. That sounds fantastic. But yeah, Angry Joe's whole thing is I am angry and I I don't <laughs> understand don't say. why anyone. I don't understand why anyone would want to watch that. I I've seen my husband's watched him on occasion, and I just kind of I have to leave the room when I hear him because it's so aggravating. I don't want you to yell at me all day. I just want you. If you want to talk to me nicely about video games, I'm here. Don't yell at me. God, what have you wrought, angry video game nerd? What have you wrought? And he is like. The angry video game nerd like has become like one of the most chill, mellow people online ever. It's hilarious. Well, you know, you get mellow in your old age. You do. He has like two kids and everything. Oh, and then there's Bleeding Edge, which looks horrible. God. Oh yes. Um. For by the time you're listening to this, of course, our impressions are up on the site. And I think Eric literally said he almost forgot to like play the game because it, that's how much of an impression it made yeah he said he, he played it at the xbox showcase and then almost forgot to write about it because he just immediately forgot about it yes and that was uh by the sounds of it it's trying to be overwatch uh, several years too late yeah it's like overwatch borderlands kind of rage look it reminded me a little bit of sunset overdrive just that that look is so annoying yeah um speaking of stuff being uh several years too late uh just uh, jumping ahead for a second to the Bethesda conference because uh, I can't believe they took a beloved PC mascot from like an old series and turned it into a mobile game because that right there is some 2012 shit. I love it. Are you going to play it? No. (laughs) Do you love it? (laughs) Not really. Uh, Okay, so that was Canadian sarcasm. I love it. Oh, oh, no, no. That was 100% Canadian, like, deadpan passive-aggressive sarcasm that is vintage (laughs) i am completely indifferent to the commander keen uh, mobile thing it was kind of a cute trailer i guess question mark yeah it's just a a matter of well this is what everyone did back in like 2012 they would take these old properties that people loved in the back in the day and turn it into a mobile game and say it's back and no it wasn't it was never back and you know it the whole idea didn't stick around because everyone just abandon it when they realized the games were kind of crappy but uh i guess bethesda wants to give it a try again all right let's talk about bethesda really quickly um fallout 76 back is it back uh was it you who said they're basically taking fallout 76 and turning it into a fallout game 
because that's what it sounds like. I think that was the headline for our news. Fallout 76 yeah. is becoming a Fallout game. I was. I think I said on Twitter that only Bethesda could lower the bar so much that the re- return of NPCs was legitimately exciting. And I also love that they spun it like it was always on the roadmap. Yeah, yeah. Year one yeah. was about reclaiming it. Year two was about the return of NPCs. Yeah, that's that's yeah. how it went. That, that's yeah, how that's it is. That's the ticket. Yeah, that was not on the roadmap. Was uh, maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe maybe it wasn't spin. Maybe that was how they always imagined it. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was at the preview event, as you know, and I just did not ever get the impression that they were going to. I guess they said maybe, you know, nothing's off the table, but it was not like I did not get the impression that they wanted to bring in NPCs. But what do I know? I mean, it's totally speculation on my part, but I really think that they were like, well, the people will be the NPCs. Yeah, basically. Um, that's what I remember hearing. Like, oh, the people will be the NPCs. The robots will be the NPCs. I remember even asking once, okay, do you think we can have a robot companion? And the, I, I can't remember who was interviewing at the time, but he said, that's actually a really good idea, which I think it is. Well done, Nadia. You're giving them ideas. You should ask for royalties. I agree. <laughs> I want a death claw as a companion. Uh, Battle Royale, Fallout 76. Weird yeah. idea. Yeah, that's okay. The whole idea is it's Fallout, um, sorry, which vault is it? 50 something. Uh, and you're the overseer, or you're supposed to be fighting for the position of overseer. And that's great. You're going to be the overseer of a vault of dead people. <laughs> what is the point? You're all... I defeated you all. Hooray, I'm the overseer. <laughs> Guys. Have you ever... Guys. Have you ever Have you ever read Preacher, the comic series? I have not. One of the closing uh, uh, scenes is basically the Saint of Killers, like, just, like, on the God's throne, surrounded by, like, the god's dead host and that's what i think of when i think of like the overseer just sitting on like a in a vault full of dead bodies and part of me is like i would never want to play a fallout role-playing uh sorry a fallout battle royale because i mean first of all battle royale is already starting to feel a little stale and second of all i think that when i look at i mean fallout's combat's just not a good thing it's it's not a combat game it's not what it does but by the same token, like what they showed looked pretty fun. I, I like the idea of being able to sick monsters on people and how you're able to build fortresses and everything. It seems relatively true to the property, at least. Yeah, I think they could do worse than than make a Fallout game. Sorry, than make a uh, battle royale game out of Fallout. Although I did get the impression, I guess I'm disappointed to hear that it's otherwise. I got the impression you could play as a, as a monster. I guess you can't, huh? I guess that probably if you were like a uh, if you were Scorch Beast, you might kind of like. You might have an advantage. And there are nukes, of course. Of course there's nukes. Yeah, I guess whoever has the nuke has the advantage. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Just a small one. Yeah, I will pay Fallout 76 a compliment, Nadia. I kind of wanted to reinstall it after watching that uh, that trailer, that presentation. Well, I guess uh, I have to give Bethesda some props because uh, they have stuck to it. And I know some of their updates haven't always been well-received. Sometimes there's been, like, balancing issues or you break something after fixing something. But um, it seems they are committed to making this uh, a a Fallout game people want to play again. Yeah, it seems like they're finding their way steadily out of the wilderness. Um, And so, I don't know, I might reinstall it and give it another shot. I think the community seems pretty solid, actually. It's, It's certainly very engaged. Um I mean, it's it's in a better place in Anthem, which has been it's been a couple months, and people are still dunking pretty heavily on it. Uh, That's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, because uh, Fallout seventy six it, it 
I think it's going to go eventually down a no man's sky path, and it, it will have that that community that will always be with it. Whereas Anthem, I think, has unfortunately fallen off a cliff. And I mean, there wasn't much else in terms of RPGs from Bethesda. I think the two best things that they showed were Deathloop, which looks like a really neat game from Arcane Studios. That was I love yeah. the mod look, the, the kind of the 60s mod look. It was pretty cool. Yes. And I thought that the Shinji Mikami game looked really good as well. Yeah, I am very curious about that. Uh, I am looking forward to that kind of that whole... It, it, they, they said it wasn't supposed to be... Uh, a, I can't remember the name of the presenter, but she was adorable. She said it wasn't supposed to be a horror game. Uh, but um, she said it was supposed to be spooky. But it looked pretty... It looked pretty chilling to me, and I'm I'm a big fan of like Japanese horror. I just find it's like nobody does it better than than Japan, and as far as horror is concerned, they just creep me right the hell out whenever it counts. So overall, press conferences. I mean, there were some clear winning moments. Uh, Shinji Mikami's game, Deathloop. Um, I thought Keanu Reeves coming out for Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk looked amazing by association. <laughs> yes. Final Fantasy VII remake. If you're an RPG fan, I think you're in a pretty good mood right now. If you are basically a Microsoft fan, I think you're coming away very disappointed. I think that some of the press conferences were pretty underwhelming. Like Square Enix's press conference really fell off a cliff after Final Fantasy VII Remake. And the Microsoft press conference, oh my god, that was so boring. I mean, by the hour mark, I was practically falling asleep on my keyboard and I was like, oh, oh my god, I still have another 30 minutes to go? This is killing me. <laughs> they packed so yeah. many announcements in, and yet I didn't care about 90% of them. No matter what happens with this year's Nintendo conference or whatever, I will always thank God for the fact that they do not go over 45 minutes. They do not waste any So looking ahead to Nintendo, uh, this podcast will come out a couple hours before the Nintendo Direct. Probably by the time you listen to it, it will have already happened. So, but we can only speculate. I have a pretty good idea of what to expect, and I think that we're only going to be seeing things that we have already seen for the most part. Um, there might be a Smash um, announcement. That's what it sounds like. There's going to be a new character. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see Pokemon. We're going to see Fire Emblem and Luigi's Mansion and all that. There won't be a new console. So we'll kind of come out of it after 45 minutes. Maybe like there will be some interesting hype. Um, around, so like, say, uh, Ori and the Blind Forest getting announced for Nintendo Switch. Who knows? But mm-hmm. Who knows, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody's going to... If you're looking for a huge surprise to come out of the Nintendo Direct, I think you should rein in next year expectations. Yeah, I mean, you never, you honestly never know. But uh, I am not going into the Direct expecting, like, a, a billion, you know, cool new announcements. I am just uh, curious mostly about... Uh, I guess Link's Awakening, uh, which was on the lanyard this year. so And you have like a, mo- a new model of Link, and he's really, really cute. I'm looking forward to that. I don't think we even talked about the big Pokemon reveal uh, from a few days ago. I mean, it's looking really good. Yeah, um, that's right. Well, you, even you and I didn't sit down and really talk about what we saw there, did we? But yeah, I am uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the fact that, uh, first of all, I find it very intriguing. We have uh, raids from Go just kind of in a, you know, a more mainline, mainline Pokemon context. That, that's really cool. Yeah, Dynamaxing Pokemon. <laughs> sure, why the hell not? Big-ass kaiju-sized Pokemon? I'm here for that. I like that you play in a soccer stadium. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even just like, you know, uh, it's just a soccer stadium, like, built to, to house these big-ass Pokemon battles. Not like a, you know, a nice normal gym. No, it's got to be a soccer stadium. 
I like I was making up lore about how Pokemon battling was big in that particular region until the eighties when Margaret Thatcher killed it. <laughs> <laughs> like she does. Um, I did notice and I'm happy to report and happy to say that uh the Pokemon are on the map again. Yeah, no, that was interesting, right? I mean, it sounds like they kind of went for a compromise, much like Final Fantasy VII Remake. There are areas in which it appears that there are standard random battles, and then there are open mm-hmm. areas that are kind of re- reminiscent of Breath of the Wild. Uh, big, open, beautiful areas in which you are capturing poke or seeing and capturing Pokemon that are just kind of roaming around. So I think they're kind of going for a halfway thing, and I don't. I'm not always big into compromises, but I think maybe that's the right approach. Yeah, and uh, I'm really intrigued by how uh, basically the season, the the weather changes, and that kind of changes what Pokemon you'll catch. Uh, it looks a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to a more open world Pokemon game. Yeah, I can't believe I'm not reviewing it. <laughs> is that is it? Does it fall to me? Yeah, I feel like an idiot, Nadia. I should be reviewing this game, but I. I don't know. I feel like I'm the one who's the most hyped for Death Stranding. <laughs> I feel like I should probably give it to Katie because she's also kind of interested in it. But I don't know. Of like the of the three games that are coming out in November, the three big ones, I think I'm most interested in Death Stranding. You think so? Even more so than Pokemon? Yeah. I've played Pokemon. I don't know what the hell I'm going to be getting out of Death Stranding. And that's a good point, actually. Yeah. That is a good point. And I think that... This is a review that kind of demands, I don't know, like somebody really go in and be super invested in whatever the heck they're about to see because it's going to be one of the big reviews of the year, you know? So Yeah. Um, I can't remember how much of a Metal Gear fan you are. I played 1, 3, 5, Peace Walker. I was a huge original Metal Gear Solid fan, like gigantic. Right. And I think Metal Gear Solid okay. 3 is one of the best games ever made. Because so. I am like not a humongous Kojima fan, although I did think PT was just fantastic. So he is capable of doing really, really great stuff, even like even storytelling. I think he is capable of being a really good storyteller, even when he flies off the rails. This is what I'm going to say. I am a huge history fan. And I know a lot about American history, if I may so say so myself, um, maybe more than the average person. And there's a part of me that is extremely nervous about Kojima tackling American history and American culture, because I think he's going to make an <laughs> ass of himself. What could possibly go wrong, Kat? Oh, my God. It reminds me of when J.K. Rowling wrote all of the lore about the American wizards. Oh, I'm sorry. The Nomadges. And she went into the Native American mysticism bullshit. And it was just a clear reminder that she was British. She knew British culture. And that's why Harry Potter felt so real. And the second that she ventured into Japan and America and started trafficking in cultural stereotypes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that now. You're absolutely right. Um, Although, I mean, hasn't Kojima, like, tackled American themes before? People have been saying that he... He's predicted, like, a lot of what's going on today. I mean, <laughs> so he, was pre- he was predicting generalized themes like information warfare and the rise of social media and disinformation and everything, especially with Metal Gear Solid 2, which is fair. Right. But he also made a game in which the main villain is a U.S. senator who is, like, you're fighting, like, America is consistently the villain in his games. 
Uh, I think he takes a pretty dim view of America in general, which, I mean, yeah, you're entitled to your opinions, but I'm really hoping that if he's going all in on his analysis mm. of what ails America, because his whole thing with uh. Death Stranding is divisions and all of that. <laughs> and reconnecting everybody i'm like really genuinely nervous what his analysis is yeah i understand what you're saying there because when he mentioned the strands and the strands that connect us i'm like oh god it's gonna be some like you know smartphones are bad bullshit yeah it's gonna be red straits and blue state shit the division of the country oh my god this is gonna be such a car wreck it's gonna be amazing (laughs) it's gonna be amazing i'm I'm gonna be there in the front seat for it (laughs) (laughs) buckle up homestuck all right, so that's it for our E3 analysis. I gotta say, Nadia, Final Fantasy VII Remake, cannot wait. It's so hyped for it. Oh my god, it not. I was already up for it, but I think my uh, excitement is through the roof. Uh, it's certainly my game of the show right now. Maybe that will change, but uh, I yeah, li- I'm so from, glad that from... I'm so glad. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. From this, from my angle, it is looking like my my game of the show so far. Uh, I am quite happy about it. Yes, well done, Square Enix. Well done indeed. I hope that we're saying the same thing in a year's time. But yeah, me too. Holy shit! <laughs> all right, uh, keep an eye on US Gamer for all of our E3 coverage throughout the show. We got a ton of E3 coverage so far. Uh, some of the things that we've done, I got some FIFA and Madden coverage up if you're into that kind of thing i've been checking out most of the big microsoft and bethesda and all of those games Uh, mike had a big a meaty watchdog legions preview uh eric checked out bleeding edge we checked out doom we checked out all of those games for the most part and we'll be checking out things including jedi fallen order and final fantasy 7 remake and uh, Avengers and maybe Tales of Arise, which is something that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. Oh, but shit. maybe we'll be talking about uh, next week and all of these other games. So we'll have a Katie back on the show uh, next week so that we can do a final postmortem, I think, of E3. And then uh, and we'll also be checking in on the games that we've been playing. I've been playing a lot of uh, Slay the Spire, and I kind of want to talk about it. So. Yeah, I'm actually playing that now, too, so maybe we should talk about that. Uh, by the way, uh, an aside, uh, the, the friggin' uh, Warriors won by one point tonight. Yeah! Golden one State! Point. <laughs> Golden State, my ass. Come on, no one likes that team. Oakland! I've had, Americans come up, I've had Americans come up to me and say, oh, I'm really rooting for the Raptors. I hate Golden State so much. I don't care. But I live five <laughs> minutes away from the Coliseum, and I know a lot of Warriors fans who have been Warriors fans forever. And okay, that's fair to them. I think it's a super bummer that this team that when nobody gave a damn about it, Oakland still embraced them, is now being stolen away to San Francisco and is basically leaving its old fans behind. So I, That does suck. I think that it would I'll be a fun, them. nice last hurrah for this team to achieve true greatness and, you know, touch the sun, as it were. But no. I think that uh, I think the Raptors are gonna finish them off. I, I think so. Um, All right, Nadia, good luck in the NBA Finals. I genuinely, like, either way, I'll be happy, to be honest. Uh, I will be happy. That's nice. I will be happy for the city of Toronto and their ridiculous dinosaur mascot. This city is, like, just, like, tightly wound to us. Like, I went downtown yesterday, and it was just, like, insane. People just, like, walking around carrying We the North flags, just doing it because they could. Oh, bless. I look forward to the Minnesota Timberwolves making the finals in 2050 
and being like, we the real <laughs> North. We're still, oh, I guess you guys are a little bit norther than we are. Yeah, and I'm coming from Minnesota. We're the, we're the North. Anyway, Acts of Bloodgod is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Make sure to follow us on social media. Follow all of our E3 coverage. We will be back next Monday, as always. But for Nani and myself, thanks for listening. And until next time, happy adventuring.